We're in Romans chapter 12 this morning. Please get your Bible open and pay attention if you would. I am going to, in this month of August, we're talking about a righteous testimony. See, what you and I are with each other is not near as important as what we are to the world. Someone said, Christ has no hands but our hands to do His work today. He has chosen our feet to lead men to His way. He's chosen our lips to tell them of how Jesus died. He's using our life to lead them to His precious side. And uh, we're the scoffer's gospel. We're the sinner's creed. We're the Lord's last message given in deed and word. What if the type is crooked in my life? What if the print they read is blurred? When they see me, I don't represent the Lord Jesus Christ correctly. I'm really burdened, and I believe God gave me this theme of righteousness last year, this time. And I did not know exactly all. I thought about different themes, but we're in August. And last year in August, I believe the Lord helped me arrange each of the, the months of the year. And we, we were going to focus this month. Last month was on prayer. This month is on our testimony. And people need to understand this. If you're a Christian, your sermons whisper, but your life shouts. What you say is one thing, what you do is another. And if people don't trust you, they won't trust what you tell them. Our lives are continually in a glass house that the world is looking at. Your family, your children, your siblings, your in-laws, everyone's kind of, you're all on public display. God made it that way. He tells us in Matthew 5, verse number 16, to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, the way you live, the way I live, and eventually glorify our Father which is in heaven. Many times when people want to make excuses why they do not do the right things or go the right places or whatever, they'll say, look, God, man looks on the outward appearance, God really knows what's on the inside. May I just remind you, men do look on the outward appearance. Where is Jesus today according to the Bible? He's in heaven. How do they know about Jesus? How do they see Jesus? They see Him because they look at you and they look at me. We're His ambassadors. Paul said when the people started saying, if He's really an apostle, let Him get some letters. He said, you know, you're my letter. You're my epistles, known and read of all men. How you live is how people will have opinion about Jesus. And uh, this is just the truth. And so I'm going to take, and God bless you. So we're going to take a few moments in this month of August, and we're going to just kind of go and, and Romans chapter 12 through chapter 16. With the Lord's help, I'm going to just go through this, and I think we'll see lots of things that we should be a testimony of in these passages of scriptures. For those of you who are not familiar, the Bible is one book with 66 books inside of it. The first 39 books, or we call them the Old Testament, were written before Jesus came. The last 27 books were written, and I start with Matthew and end with the book of the Revelation, were written after Jesus went back to heaven. One of the books of the Bible that we're going to look at is the book of Romans. Someone says it's the book that changed the world. 
If you could only have one book of the Bible, it would be really hard not to choose the book of Romans. Some of you might say, no, I want the book of Psalms, and it would be great. I'm glad I don't have to choose. But the book of Romans is broken down in, in, in five categories. Our sin, whether it be rank or religious or pride or all of us have sinned. Chapters 1 through 3. Chapters 4 and 5, salvation that is made possible through the Lord Jesus Christ, being justified before Him. Chapters 6, 7, and 8, it speaks of the sanctification process. Our sin, God's law, and His Spirit to help us live a clean, sanctified life. Chapters 9, 10, 11 are much more, uh, they speak of the sovereignty of God, in particular to His nation and His people, Israel. By the way, we ought to pray for Israel. We ought to pray for Jerusalem. I believe they're very, they're very, I don't believe with the, the replacement theology that's there that they don't matter today. I believe God has a plan for His people and is still going on today. We are in an age where most people who are getting saved are Gentiles. I think in the coming tribulation period, much of the, Gentile, the Jewish world will be the ones who will come to know Christ as their Savior. But he speaks about that in chapters 9, 10, and 11. And then chapters 12 through 16 of Romans really opens up with, based upon everything I've said about sin, about salvation, about sanctification, about my plan for my people and future events, I want to tell you now the what for, what you need to do. And basically, it is to be a testimony and to live out a life of service. God says one day He wants to say to all of us, well done, thou good and faithful spectator. Do you remember that verse? No, he doesn't say spectator. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you don't, you don't hear well done if you have not done well. Now, salvation is free. Your eternal destiny is sealed by faith in Jesus Christ, plus nothing, minus nothing. But eternal rewards rest upon our willingness to obey and serve the Lord. And that is what Romans 12 through 16 is all about. It is service. In chapter 12, we'll be here today and tonight. Next week, we'll talk about 13. That's our responsibility. That's our testimony to the government officials, to the police officers, to our, to our mayor, to our governors, to our kings. It's going to talk about living a pure life. Chapter 14 talks about our brothers and sisters who may have different opinions or different weaknesses than we have. And what do I do when I do something? Some people say, you know, it's my, it's my life. I can do whatever I want to do with it. I can go wherever I want to go. I got grace. I can, you know what? That's true. He says, don't use your liberty as a cloak of covetousness just to do what you want to do. But consider one another. And he'll tell us in chapter 14, the stop principle that we'll learn together in this, few, in this month. Chapter 15, he says, ye that are strong, support those that are weak. Not just to please yourself. It's going to talk about living life, not in the selfie mode. What I want, but living life out a window looking at what the world needs and what my brothers and sisters need from me. Not pleasing myself. In chapter 16, he commends scores of people that he knew by name and how important they were to the body of Christ. So today we're just going to get us kick-started tonight. We'll continue. Let's look real quickly at chapter 12, verse number 1. 
And once again, we're talking about a testimony of the Lord. And I want you to look at verse number one, I beseech, that means I plead with you. Therefore, therefore, when you see the word therefore, you're thinking about what is, it's, it's a transitional. You've heard all this about sin and salvation and, and sanctification and God's working in His people. Because of that, now I beseech you, brethren, by the what? And here is a testimony, first of all, he did not say, all right, now that God saved you, now you get out there and do it. He didn't put his arm behind him. He said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to have a testimony of appreciation. I want you to think for a second and say, you know, why should I do what I do? Why does a teenage boy or teenage girl live for God, stay pure, honor the Lord? Why? Because they appreciate the God who's been so good to them. They appreciate a mom and dad who's loved them, invested in them, taking care of their education, taking care of their camps, helped them, trained them to, to where God... That's why you got to live right. You can't find another reason, young person, not to make a, an idiot out of yourself. Think about your mom and dad. Get some appreciation in there. You can't think of a reason why you ought to serve God. He said, I'm going to give you the first reason. Because God didn't give you what you deserve. So I beseech you. So I want you to have a testimony of, of appreciation for what God's done for you. Many of us, we are struggling with how much God has done for us. We complain incessantly. We got more complaints about how things are going in our life. And God said, I'd like for you to think about my mercy that are new every morning. Great is my faithfulness. I remember a lady heard about this lady. She went to go get a glamour shot. And she was telling all her girls at work, oh, I can't, I'm going to go get a glamour shot. I'm going to go get a glamour shot. She was just bragging. She said, tomorrow I'll show you my beautiful pictures. And sure enough, she went to the glamour studio and they... They puffed up her hair real big, and they put on the fake jewelry, and they looked like she blew up in a cosmetic factory, and she got all this extra stuff, and it was all done for her. And, and then she went into the studio, and they started snapping pictures, and she was like this, and like this, and they put the, the fan on her, and all the things that happened, and, and she was so excited. They did three different studios and shots, and she got to the photographer, and at the end, he developed them, and said, okay, here's what we got in studio number one. How do you like it? And she said, well, you know, it's, it's good. Well, what about studio two? And she went to two and said, oh, it's not, it's not bad. And th- how about three? And he expected her, man, she's got to like one of these. But each time she was more disappointed. She was like, no, that's, you know. And she, he said, well, man, what's the problem? He said, I just don't really think these pictures do me justice. And the frustrated photographer said, ma'am, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> And whenever you think, I just want what's fair to me, you might want to think and read your Bible for a second. No, you don't want what's fair. You want what's good from a good God who's very merciful. One of the things I think is missing in this room right now and in the heart of this pastor more times than I'm embarrassed to share with you is I fail to have the testimony of gratitude. Not thankful. The Bible says in everything, not be thankful, but everything, give the thanks. And if there's one thing you can be thankful for, because His mercy endureth forever. 
And Paul sets up this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. The number one reason you ought to, you ought to have a good testimony is out of a heart of gratitude for the mercy of God. If you're saved, you're not going to hell. Now, we don't understand what that means. But we will understand one day. But for the grace of God, you couldn't find your mouth this morning to feed it. You couldn't make two and two and equal four. But for the grace of God, you wouldn't know who you were, who your parents are. You wouldn't be able to, to put one foot in front of the other. And we can complain about everything else that's going wrong. But friend, we ought to, number one, he says, I'd like to have you have a testimony of appreciation. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. By the way, who, belong, who owns your body if you're a Christian? God. Your body and your spirit belong to God. I think to some extent, your personality, what you think, what you want, how you feel, belongs to you. You need to let that be subject to the Spirit of God, or you can have a self-live. Many of us are so self-absorbed in how what I think and what I want and how I, how I feel about things matter most. You're a soul-driven Christian, and those are sorriest Christians in the room. We need Spirit-filled Christians. But we need to have a testimony, number one, of appreciation for the mercy of God. Number two, of dedication. Now, God is not going to pull you up on the altar of dedication. That's your job. If you're surrendered, you've got to do it. I can't surrender for my kids. I love my children. But I can't surrender their will. That's something God has made stronger than His will, and that's yours. You, can, you have a choice. That's why he says, I beseech you. I'm pleading with you. He didn't, say, he, didn't, he didn't say, now you have to now, since you've been saved and sanctified and, and all that, you have to. He said, no, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Number one, have a testimony of appreciation. When the fires of gratitude die out in the heart of a man, that man is well nigh hopeless. Are you a thankful teenager? Are you a thankful single adult? Are you a thankful senior citizen? Are you a thankful teenager, young person, mom, dad, husband, wife? Hey, whatever role you have, have the uh, a testimony of appreciation. Number two, have the testimony of dedication. That you have had, you've come to a place you're saying, you know what? What I want is what God wants. I'm presenting my body a living sacrifice. That's your choice. And by the way, if a man love God, 1 Corinthians 8, 3, if any man love God, and by you know what makes someone dedicate themselves? They know how much God loves them and they want to reciprocate. And, and if someone loves God, the Bible says everyone knows it. The same is known of him. If you're a dedicated Christian, most of the people in your sphere of influence know it. And if you're not, they know it too. What's your testimony? Is it one of appreciation? Is it one of dedication? Is it self-absorbed or is it Christ and Spirit of God absorbed? He said, number one, have a testimony of appreciation. Number two, have a testimony of dedication. Number three, have a testimony of sacrifice. Someone's willing to not just do what self-serves, but what is best for somebody else. I don't know about you, I don't really like wearing the mask. It's not fun. When I put the mask on, people think I have COVID because I start coughing and hacking. But I'm not wearing this mask for me. I'm wearing it for somebody else. I complain the whole time, but I'm going to just keep doing it. That's my second thing to work on. You know, the truth of the matter is there's so many things in life that we need to learn to say, you know what, it may not inconvenience me, but it's not about me. 
It's about somebody else, whether it be their health or their opinions. To yield yourself a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I want you to say this. You know, I think we ought to have a testimony of appreciation, of dedication, of sacrifice, but also that we understand a testimony of this guy, this girl, they do what they do because they get to, not because they have to. They consider it only reasonable. If God would save my wicked soul and give me all that I need in His Spirit and His Word and His church to do what I'm supposed to do, it's only reasonable that I should live for Him. It's only reasonable that I should dedicate. You can't find a reason to do that. You ought to think, you've got to check up from the neck up. Start thinking again. He said, look, if all this God's mercy has been given to you, we ought to dedicate ourselves. We ought to sacrifice. And we ought to really think this is not something I'm doing because I have to. This is something that's reasonable. It's the reasonable thing. By the way, if you and I are reasonable, we get to do things not because we have to do things. Everybody knows it. Have you ever had someone in your life, they give you a gift and they keep reminding you of what they gave you? It's not worth it. You almost want them to keep their gift because you'll hear about it 75 times. You almost say, you know what, I tell you what, hey, just forget my birthday this year. Because they make sure how hard it was for them to do what they did for you. If they do something, they make you feel emboldened to them or indebted to them. And God does not want to feel that way. He wants you to, to do it because it's reasonable. It's not like he has to do this. I don't have to do the bus route. I don't have to go So I don't have to give. I get to give. I don't have to be an usher. I get to be an usher. I don't have to run a, a camera. I get to do it. I don't have to do, I don't have to forgive someone. I get to forgive them. I've been forgiven so much. I get to do this. This is what I get to do. It's an attitude. It's a testimony of appreciation, dedication, sacrifice. And it's a testimony of this is reasonable. If God did this much for me, well, would good night in the morning. Why can't I do this? We go around and just complain and beat ourselves up about how hard it is to be us. And Apostle Paul said in these things, none of these things move me. The difficulties that I have, they don't bother me. And I would not want to compare his laundry list to mine. I would look like a little romper room compared to that. But at the end, he says, he says they don't move me. You know why they don't move me? You know why they don't detour me? Because I don't count my life dear to myself. But what I want to do is I want to finish my course with joy. You can see that in Acts chapter 20, verse number 24. Let's look at the next verse, can we please? Verse number 2. A testimony of appreciation, dedication, sacrifice, something that's reasonable. I get to, not to have to. Look at verse number two. And be not conformed to what? But be transformed by the renewing of your, that you may prove what's that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's a testimony of separation. This is one where it gets down to where the rubber meets the road. This is where I get, this is where we get, we, we lock horns sometime with each other. And that is, what should I do? How separated should I be? What should I wear? Where should I go? Where should I not go? What should I, should I drink? Should I not drink alcohol? Should I drink alcohol? Can I watch this movie? Can I not watch this movie? It's things that are separation, not just in our actions, but in our attitudes and our thinking. 
He said, listen, John, I don't want you to have a testimony of conformity to this world. But I want you to be transformed. I want you to be totally different. Not, not a weirdo, though they'll appear that you're, you may appear that you're strange. But it's not to do that. It's just to be holy unto the Lord. Here's God said, I don't want you to be conformed to this world, but I want you to be transformed. And primarily, the next thing, a testimony of clear thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You'll see that verse again in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 23, where it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5, the Bible says, let, not, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. See, the, where the difference of a Christian is from an unsaved person, a godly Christian and a worldly Christian is in their thinking. If you're thinking right, you'll live right. If you're struggling in your thinking, that's why the Bible says, listen, consider Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, lest you be weary and faint in your mind. A testimony of right thinking. How do you think about abortion? How do you think about politics? What do you think about Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump? What do you think when you think about Mozambique or Zimbabwe or Zambia? What do you think when you think about grandchildren or children or Christian education? Our thinking will determine our actions, what we do. And I think in these first few words of, of Romans chapter 12, it tells us, number one, have a testimony that is obviously a testimony of gratitude and appreciation. A testimony that I'm a dedicated Christian to the Lord. Everybody should know that these people are dedicated to Christ, not to the church not to an organization, they're dedicated to a person, Jesus. That they're sacrificial. They think more of others than they think of themselves. They seem to do it because they want to, not because they have to. They don't say, well, I have to go to church. We have to go to Team Soul Winning. I have to visit my Sunday school class. No, they, they kind of like, they want to do it. They think it's a reasonable thing. There's something intrinsic about them that wants to do the right thing. They have a testimony of separation. Yes, they're in the world, but the world's not in them. They don't think like the guys at work. They don't think like the girls at work. They think totally different. Because this is their testimony. And they're proving, they're constantly evaluating what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Like Jesus in the garden. Not my will, but... Thine be done. They're evaluating, what is, is this the good thing? Is this the perfect thing? Is this the most mature decision I can make spiritually? Is this will be acceptable to the Lord? Can I remind you, friend, you got nothing to prove and you got one person to please. And that's the Lord. And when a man's ways please the Lord, when a woman's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I do all those things that might please the Father, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 29. And Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he said that you ought to, ought to walk and to please God. What's most acceptable to him? Psalm 19, verse 14, let the words of my 
mouth, and the meditations of my, or my thinking, my feelings about things, my desires, be acceptable unto thee, my strength and my redeemer. What's your testimony today? How would we do if evaluated by someone who knew us? Would they say, oh yeah, gratitude. Oh yes, dedication. Oh yes, sacrificial. Oh yes, definitely not worldly. Oh yes, constantly wanting to please the Lord. I don't know about you, but I need an invitation for me. Say, God, please help John to have that kind of a testimony. I hope you will be convicted by the Holy Spirit to do the same.